to Fidget, a BFRB podcast. Hey everyone, my clinician mini-series continues with Lisa, a psychologist who runs Exposure Therapy Chicago. We chat about the stages of change and motivational interviewing. To start us off though, I ask her about her postdoc in trauma and how she sees trauma overlap with BFRBs. Hope you enjoy! Absolutely. So I think it's a good question, right? That coming back to a very central framework that mm. I learned in grad school was cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. So my program mm. in Wyoming was really known for it. I did a lot of trauma focus there in the in the research lab that I was in with my advisor and then went to a trauma heavy postdoc because of the direction I was going in. Mm. And so that actually burned me out when it was mm. heavy trauma all the time was my only caseload and the only research topics that I did. Mm -hmm. So in having then gone into academia, done a bit of that, like dipped back out of that when imposter Mm. syndrome was really big, we can chat more about that. The background I always had in anxiety, in trauma, a little bit of OCD, just got dialed up a bit when I was working outpatient mental health clinic. So you see Mm. what walks in the door. I was seeing kids. I was seeing people in their seventies and you just work with what's there. And Mm -hmm. my main toolbox is in CBT. Right. BFRBs were actually something that came up for me in the pandemic. I don't remember how I heard about it, but I did that intensive training through the TLC foundation, started networking, seeing more clients with BFRBs, but it's never language I had. Like, I think I worked with Trick once in grad school. It was actually the first client I had when I went to the outpatient mental health center. Mm. And then expanding that out, that Mm. I think BFRBs could be an outgrowth of trauma for some people if it is a coping skill that develops. For instance, like Mm. I'll have clients who have said, this is something I've been doing for decades because when my parents were screaming at each other, when I was experiencing abuse or bullying, here's something I can control. So think Mm. too about anything that gets maladaptive, like an eating disorder. I can control what goes in my mouth, Mm. right? Whether that is a lot of something or a little of something. BFRBs, you don't even need an external object, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. hair, skin, nails, teeth. They're all right there. And Mm. we do what works, Right. We, mm. we would stop doing if it wasn't effective. When people mm. are coming to me, it's like, oh, shoot, this doesn't work for me anymore. Right. Or this is not something I want to work for me in the same way anymore. Mm. So there's certainly not a one to one correspondence if trauma, then BFRB or reverse if BRB, then tra- BFRB, then trauma. Mm. And yet I think having the conversation right. is important right. to see. Is there more to talk about here? I guess. So in my um, what I heard is so CBT is sort of your your central tool and you use cbt to sort of investigate trauma is that is that correct like that was sort of your educational back background kind of so i'm gonna i'm gonna expand it out a little bit because i think cbt is such a big broad framework too Mm -hmm. that underneath that exposure-based therapies underneath that acceptance and commitment therapy like you talked about with Pam right Mm -hmm. underneath that with BFRB is the comprehensive behavioral model Mm -hmm. and so it's the I think of it more as the the framework from which I'm practicing maybe it is the toolbox itself Mm. and then the tools inside of it right fit neatly into it yeah I I guess to me it's interesting because like you know you're using language to describe this as like, okay, yeah, like BFRBs are very behavioral. Um, but I I don't know, like is approaching 
like they seem like different bubbles when you think about like investigating behavioral mechanisms versus like doing trauma work right um they they just seem in my rudimentary spectrum yeah. they seem at opposite ends yeah. <laughs> i think it, it's finding so there's more of a shift towards what's called process-based therapies okay so instead of saying like if you have this presenting concern trauma ocd uh, trick mm. then follow this manual it's more of like, mm. hey, what's the same mm. underneath these? What's the function of these different behaviors? And in a BFRB, it could be hair pulling, skin picking, nail biting. In trauma, it could be, I don't go to these specific places. I avoid this thing. I get stuck with nightmares, right? What does the presentation mm. of it look like on the surface level? And then like what underneath drives those behaviors? Because we need to work on both sides, right? How do right. we address the behaviors that kind of the topography and right. help you live that more flexible adaptive life what might be the function underlying it that is i am deeply avoidant of whatever is showing up emotionally mm. for me mm. cool let's work on some of that emotion-based tolerance right which will help everywhere it's kind of getting at the root system versus just cutting off like weeds at the surface level yeah totally it, it, and like I, I think a, a phrase that I learned from you with CBT is the, the treat them and street them. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, yes. You, 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 do you want to like to talk to me a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah. yeah. So in, in a different kind of framework than something like a longer term, like a psychodynamic therapy or mm. more insight oriented, it is, can we get you this information as efficiently as possible so you both mm. don't feel like I am shoving you out the door? I'm also not tying you down to the couch so you have to sit here. Mm. And so let me be a part of your life for as long as I need to be here. And yet you know, the, the cheesy phrase is like, I want to teach you to be your own therapist. Like put me out mm. of business so I can mm. run a doggy daycare slash bakery, which would be <laughs> a delight. Right? But I want you to feel like you've got the skills to take this out into the world. Like when we create BFRB plans, right? Like let's talk about it. Let's see then where that plan breaks. Let's refine it together so that you can flexibly apply it moving forward so that you have what you need to do right. outside of meeting with me every week or every other week or every month. Mm. Like you had said that kind of idea of, can I have the therapist that I see for the next 10 years, even mm. if it may be a six month check-in, cool mm. how are things going what are the things that you need what did you stop doing like adequately mm. resting or hydrating like mm. cool let's get you back in that space so that mm. you take that back out into your life in the way that you want to right it is designed to be shorter term yeah it, it, and is that something that you like present like in the like intake procedure of like hey this is how i like my treatment to go exactly what you just said Yes, with an asterisk. So okay. I have seen people, I think my shortest term BFRB client was three sessions. Okay. She took to it right away. I am out of network with insurance. So I am very aware of, I want to mm. get you your money's worth every time you're logging on. Mm. Let me do what I do as quickly and efficiently as possible. Mm. That said, I've seen some people for five years mm -hmm. off and on. And it could be that like someone comes back to me if there is a new period of, of time I moved, I had a baby, I had a loss in the family, I lost a job. Mm. And so 
I, I talk about design to be shorter term versus this longer insight oriented space. And mm-hmm. also letting people know we've got the time and the space for if stressors come up, we can talk about that. If self-compassion, self-criticism is an area that we really need to work on, we can talk about that too. I also really like working in conjunction with other mm. therapists. So if you want to be in network, if you want to be doing some of this like longer term work with someone, cool, let me pop in and just do the mm. BFRP side of things. Mm. Let me just mm. give you some OCD related skills. So it's, right. it's just finding what's the best fit. Right. Are you like looking for opportunities for like, that's the like psycho ed piece, right? Like, you know, when, when thinking about your, your treatment style, like how much is, I don't know, like, quote, unquote, client led versus, hey, here's some info that I want to educate you on. Ooh, good question, because it's a mix. Mm. And so oftentimes, I am leading a lot of that conversation, just Mm. to give the feedback, talk about here's the treatment that I do to make sure it feels a good fit, right? We've talked a lot about how important Mm. that is. And also, Sometimes it's where have you gotten this information from before? Right. Maybe providing some corrective information. You're like, oh, cool. You know about TLC or you know about IOCDF. A says, mm. one of my favorite questions is what does that mean to you? Or mm. like, what do you do with that? Mm. To kind of see like, how is that information being applied or how might we be able to um, make it personalized to you? Mm. I think one of the things I work with the most is we're never going to get fully rid of anxiety, BFRB urges, um, sadness, trauma history. Mm. So it's talking about the, we can make space for all of it. We can't eliminate it because I don't want us chasing a dragon Mm. that we can never catch, much less someone feeling like they aren't doing their job or treatment isn't working because they still have these thoughts, because they still had a zit, went a little ham on it. Like, okay, that's okay. That's going to happen. How do we get back up? after Mm, that so i think that mm -hmm. is usually the thing i hear the most is but will this go away it's like no (laughs) no right and part of like you're feeling distressed because things are important to you like what's that discomfort that's important enough to have like Mm. being in a relationship having a pet um building out different coping skills Mm, mm. yeah no i i appreciate that and i think that's like i feel like that's a tension that i'm navigating a bit because I feel like BFRBs are relatively unknown, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're so steeped in secrecy and shame and embarrassment and guilt that we don't talk about it. We don't have a shared language about it. And there's a lot of like, I guess, misconceptions, namely being the chasing the dragon. I'm going to get rid of it. Um, you know, oh, let me do this. No, like this calendar pick free challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's what success looks like, right? Yeah. And I think I have a hard time being like, well, that's like, that's interesting that that's your definition of success. And I would love to explore that. But there's a little bit of me deep down being <laughs> like wanting to shake them to be like, ah, like that's an unrealistic <laughs> picture of success. Yeah. right? And so I, and me just being a starting out counselor, I feel like I like waver on my confidence of what can I like allow them to sit in versus me being like, I really don't think that's a realistic view, you know? Yeah. And and I would be curious, do you share about your own BFRB? Like, do you? I do. Yeah. Pretty quickly in my intake. I mean, straight up in my bio, I talk about like, hey, 
the reason cool. I'm in counseling is because of my lived experience. And then, yeah, in my intake, I go, hey, how's it going? Like, what can we chat about? Share a little bit about your BFRB. And then I go into, I guess, is a bit of a sales pitch of like, this is me. This is what I offer. A big part of it is I talk about my own BFRB. Or I like, I mix some of my lived experience of having a BFRB, you know, and then does that work for you? What do you think? And then we go from there. But when I think that's such a, a beautiful thing to feel if you are so comfortable being that vulnerable, right. Of like mm. lived experience. I think for some people really resonates. I hear it a lot in the BFRB community, a lot in the OCD community. Mm. Cause like, how could you get it if you don't also experience it? Right. Substance use. I know that's a big thing too. Mm-hmm. And, sometimes that's part of the conversation I have too. Like I've got that a lot around trauma Mm. before of the, like, have you experienced anything like this? Mm. And the question mark of like, do you say something? If you do, how do you make it in the service of the client versus about you? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of things my clients have experienced that I haven't. And yet that place of, I can bring in background on treatment. You bring in background on you. Let's work collaboratively in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, think it just creates more open vulnerable space Hmm. that like you said if i've kind of got in the back of my head of like we're never gonna make this go away (sighs) that maybe that fits in early maybe it's i I directly got that question asked to me yesterday of like will these thoughts about a phobia ever go away like and and i felt the hesitation of like i wish i could say yes and again i don't want that to be success for you Right. I want success to be, can I be in my life the way that I want to be without this phobia, mm-hmm. this BFRB, this trauma, mm-hmm. hold me by the back of the shirt. Right. right? I right. can have that flexibility in space. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. No, I see. I bake that in early, uh, kind of using the act piece, right? Like saying, well, Ooh. in acceptance and commitment therapy, it's less about moving away from your quote unquote negative unhelpful behaviors and moving more towards your helpful ones. Right. So in my mind, success isn't measured by, Oh, I'm never going to pick my skin again. Success is, Oh, I like am going on dates now, despite having picked my skin. Right. Love it. Love it. Like let's increase that quality of life and have Mm. the focus there on something we can move towards Mm -hmm. versus focus on drive down yeah. This relatively uncontrollable internal experience, these reactions that will still show up because over time, the more you're in your life, usually these things do die down and also mm. they, they have less sway. Totally. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I like that. And so, I, I mean like, yeah, like, so circling back to my question a bit around the, okay, here's some psycho ed, here's some like, mm-hmm. you know, client led, like their expectations. I, I feel, you know, with, with my like low fuel light animation. Yes. That is like, you know, some like education piece, a perspective I would like them to consider. But I fully recognize that when they come in, they're, you know, they're not ready to hear that or talk about that yet. And I know that, but I don't know. It feels weird for me. That's being like one of my treatment goals is for them to like consider that perspective. I think sometimes you, like you said, like 
as you get a read on the room, that might be mm. like, I tuck that in my pocket. We'll talk about it later. Mm. Sometimes it could be like, hey, just want to float this out there of like, mm. my hope over time is low fuel light isn't just expand the life you want to be in. Low fuel light is the BFRB is now telling me something, mm. right? This this not just tolerated relationship, this warm open kind of friendly relationship at times right of like what is this giving me data wise mm. I, I, I don't know about you when i talk to clients about that with regards to any kind of presenting concern usually it's like the big eyes and they're like cool it'd be cool if we get there like all right, right. let's see mm. you and maybe we don't and yet my hope is that that no longer is a thing again that we're we're running from i don't want to make you faster at running yes. from this stuff yes i want you to be able to like slow and turn towards Right, right. Yeah, mm, I like that. I like that idea. <laughs> not, we're not, yeah, teaching them to run faster. Um, you, you, well, and and so thinking about like, well, this was my question to you about sort of the treatum and streetum attitude, mm-hmm. and like, you know, okay, I want to get you your money's worth. Let's let's cover these concepts. Hey, do you got them? Great. How do I hold that space while also like, you know, I think something that they talked about in my counseling textbook um, that I was just reading the other day was like, it it was on like a a reflection of feelings. So sort of like, you know, in this like exploration insight action model in the exploration stage, we want to explore the presenting concerns how does it show up in their life we want to explore their thoughts around it we also want to show feelings around we want to explore their feelings around it but it straight up recommended don't explore feelings in the first few sessions because um maybe the relationship the like client helper Uh, relationship isn't there yet yeah i don't know like what yeah um in me talking about this you had a bit of a reaction so i don't know if you have any thoughts (laughs) I've said I'd be a terrible poker player. Everything reads here. Right, that's right. Maybe even in that, don't explore the emotions there. Like, I can't shut this, my mm. reactions down. And I think maybe too, it's a little bit of the the reading the room, finding your style. Usually when people have mm. found me, they know what they're looking for. I don't mm. tend to give like, hey, I'm looking for some general counseling. It tends to mm. be, I'm coming in for expulsion response from OCD. I'm coming in to work mm. on excoriation Mm -hmm. and so i think there's more permission given then to drop into this more quickly and i think just like as as and it's so exciting to see in you being in counseling school right Mm. and kind of developing the style you start to see what fits Mm. and so i think making the space for those things right away while also giving permission to not so with OCD and BFRBs, I will oftentimes, as as you have seen, I can be over-caffeinated sometimes and <laughs> talk really fast and get really enthusiastic and ask a lot of questions. And sometimes it's the, I, get, I will always let people know, I'm giving you full permission. These are the waters I swim in all the time. If I'm moving too quickly, asking to give too much detail, it's getting too vulnerable, you get to say no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right? And maybe we get to it later, maybe we don't. And yet right. it's always your choice of what you want to share and how quickly. Mm-hmm. And if we're able to slow and drop into that stuff more um, mm. sooner in treatment, I think it it bodes well for what we're able to do 
mm-hmm. more efficiently and yet it's not a must right? right it's all taken at people's speeds i have some people who come in kind of guard up whether because really vulnerable content that we're talking about they've had previous experiences with therapy that haven't been great they don't have mm-hmm. a lot of background in seeking out therapy we got time right i'm yeah. happy to sit here with you as long as we need to right 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 yeah yeah okay and i think this is maybe our segue into talking about the stages of change Um, love it yeah so maybe to i i I do have a question loaded up but before we dive into that lisa maybe you could give listeners out there like a two minute like how do you how do you conceptualize yeah the stages of change and sort of our topic of the day motivational interviewing perfect so stages of change are kind of the framework in which motivational interviewing or mi is applied Mm -hmm. so the whole idea is we need to find out where a client is with regards to readiness to see where they are in that change process and Mm -hmm. sometimes it is very much not ready think a court-ordered treatment, Mm. right? Or I am here because my partner said I need to be here. My parents are making me come. Mm. If someone is going to be at the place of making changes in whatever behavior they're coming in with or whatever kind of presenting issues they're coming in with, this is just a way to help them recognize where they are and move through them. And yet it's not a, if I do steps one, two, three, I'll get them to where the change Mm. is happening, right? Because someone Mm. might decide, I'm not ready. Cool. Mm. Like, come back Mm. to me when you are. Here's what this might look like. Mm -hmm. So we start with the pre-contemplation stage, Mm -hmm. which is essentially, I don't have a problem. You have a problem. I'm not looking to make changes right now. So there's little Mm. or no motivation. And an MI approach there is just increasing awareness. So if you think about when people work with baby trick, right? Little, Mm. little kids who you can't do intervention with in the same way Mm. little kids might not see the same kind of degree of impairment or social censure that comes from a bfrb the parent might be upset about it Mm. right and so sometimes it's working with the parent to both help them foster change and do their own work which could be like this your kid's probably likely to grow out of it Mm. or helping support kids and seeing like hey here's where this is showing up Mm. right Mm. Then we have the contemplation stage of change. So this Mm -hmm. is where someone is like, hey, I know this problem gets in the way, but I'm kind of ambivalent about changing. Mm -hmm. So ambivalent, the same root word is ambidextrous, right? Both sides. Mm -hmm. So I can see both the pros and the cons of it. So I may want to change. Maybe I've thought about, I've read some books, but like I haven't really made any distinct efforts. So this is where you're trying to resolve ambivalence. Like let's really talk about what are the pros of changing where the pros are staying the same? And similarly, what are the cons of changing where the cons of staying the same? Mm-hmm. Helping someone work through at this specific time, what does that look like for me? Mm. So you got pre-contemplation, contemplation, determination and preparation. Like, all right, cool. We're on the same page. You want to start making some changes in your life. And yet it's the like, oh, shoot, I don't know quite how to do that. Mm. So it's really bolstering, again, that motivation to want to do it helping people identify the values behind changing mm. the costs of what's going on. And here you're identifying strategies. So it could be mm-hmm. the, well, I read the TLC list of fidgets and right. I ordered some and they're sitting on my shelf. Mm. Right. And like, cool, good place to start. And let's 
it's I know you know it's not just about a fidget no mm. matter what a great podcast it is, which is. <laughs> <laughs> so we're helping someone kind of like move through and here's the point of action and that's like actively involved the client is on board they're invested in that process too so mm. now we're putting all the action steps into process so it could be um, refining what's out there again it's it's not just a fidget um, mm-hmm. seeing where the plan that we develop together breaks how do we like come back from that mm-hmm. identifying some of the the bears and kind of putting it all into place mm-hmm. then we have maintenance so mm-hmm. that's the penultimate stage of change where I generally know it what are those things I might need moving forward? Again, mm-hmm. that treat them and treat them, right? Like, how do I continue these changes outside of these regular checks of accountability? How do I take some of that on? Mm-hmm. And helping people kind of plan for the, fu- for the future. And then the last one is relapse, right? Mm-hmm. So this is where we hope that it is a slip. It's mm-hmm. not a slide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And similar to what you and I were talking about, like, I want to be predicting some of that, not in a fatalistic way of like, all hope is lost. And yet like, hey, what are we going to do if this shows up? Right? right. What's what's the plan for getting back on track? That Again, that's mm. not a sign of failure. That's a sign of being human. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And I, again, so I love that linked into the, to my earlier question of how I think a lot of people, they define success as well. I'm just not going to relapse. Right. Yeah. Um, and when they do relapse, it becomes a slide because they've just never prepared for a relapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like you said, I think level setting those expectations, whether it be in the first session or it be in the first few, or it's that reaction to the first time someone has an episode Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty gnarly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is building and talk around how do you get back up? It's similar to to Ellen from our group will say like it's kind of like you're falling down the stairs, you catch the hand railing. Mm-hmm. Versus, let me just go ahead and throw myself the rest of the way down. Right, right. And we know BFRBs. It's not uh, just keeping something out of the house. It's stuff that's carried mm-hmm. around on the body all the time. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it it just makes it a more complicated and very present mm-hmm. access to things. I can put tweezers away. I can throw tweezers in the freezer. And yet mm-hmm. I also want to let myself have opportunity to be human. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even in that slip, greet it with compassion. Like, whoo, right. right. that one didn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, right? And yeah, what yeah. now what do I need? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Okay, like resetting a little bit. Thank you mm-hmm. for the for, for the intro. So, uh, stages of change. We have stage one, pre contemplation. Two, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, relapse. Uh, does that sound good? Um, and so, so, so those are the stages. And then you said like motivational interviewing is sort of the like the process of exploring and moving through them. Is that, is that correct? Like how, how, how do you see motivational interviewing sitting on top of, or like sitting within the the stages? I dig that question. I also love the, the semantics around we're exploring, Mm. right? Because Mm. big important piece, this is not linear. You don't start Mm -hmm. a pre-contemplation and end it maintenance, kind of move in between. And people can come in at any point in there. And so what you want to start doing is just finding out where someone is. Mm. So it's, it's this beautiful way of um, 
a lot of CBT stuff can feel very skills driven, right? And people come right. and saying, I want strategies to address this thing, right? Mm-hmm. If it be cognitive mm-hmm. restructuring or behavioral activation or what have you, mm-hmm. this is a, a guiding approach that doesn't direct, that doesn't follow yet like sits in the middle. And so mm-hmm. it's really relationship collaboratively based. It's a lot of open-ended questions and it's mm-hmm. from a truly to your core non-judgmental space. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the back of my head saying, I'm going to get you to the place of realizing this picking is getting in the way of your life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just kind of tricking you into it. It's okay. like, Hey man, let, right? let's talk about where this is. And if deciding right now, this is not the time, or this is actually not causing enough um, impairment in my life that I want to do the uncomfortable part of treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I think, the phrase like not making a choice is making a choice mm. can get overused. You know, like if this isn't the right time, that's okay. Like truly, mm. genuinely, that's okay. And yet if the ambivalence is there enough and we're leaning through reinforcing what's called change talk. So people mm. discussing the costs of this behavior, what things could look like if it wasn't there, like what are reasons to change? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be reinforcing that because if mm-hmm. people are coming to me for services they or someone else is looking for this to shift. Right. right. Let's create that space and have this really open conversation around it so mm-hmm. that we get into all the corners of it and find out like, is this the right time? Mm-hmm. 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 And if it is, then like, cool. I know what to do with that. Right. Let's get right. going. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So um, let's just say you, you, you already talked a little if, for stage one, um, you know, the pre-contemplation, chances are because they're talking to you voluntarily and it's not court ordered, you, you know, sure, it'll show up, but likely people come in even I, I, I think before we chatted and I made a guess that people were coming in with contemplation, but I guess already the fact that they're coming to you, they're willing to put in some money, that's like a that's an indication of some like planning action. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's, you know, not to overgeneralize, but let's just say, you know, a client shows up at your door. They're in the preparation preparation stage. What sort of like, I don't know. How do you like interact with someone in, in the preparation stage? Yeah. I lo- I think a lot of it comes back to what you were talking earlier about psychoeducation. Mm. So the let's do what's called a functional analysis mm-hmm. of the BFRB. So from the comprehensive behavioral model, which is really well accepted right now, mm-hmm. it's that SCAMP model. So talk about mm-hmm. sensory cues, cognitive cues, affective or emotional cues, motor cues and place cues. Mm. Let's talk about what those typical picking episodes look like for you. Let's talk about when it is really hard to utilize the strategies or you just forget about it altogether. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people come to me, they're like, uh, I, I did this thing once. I had this one really great fidget and then I got bored of it. Right. Mm. Or like, I remember my mom used to smack my hands or like I use no bite nail polish, but then I can't eat popcorn because it tastes gross. Mm. And so Let's really get curious around what's driving these things to develop a a specific plan for you across these different settings Mm -hmm. so that you start seeing shifts that you hope to see. I'm spending less time 
putting on makeup, right? I'm feeling like I don't, if I'm stuck in traffic and mm-hmm. I'm by myself, I've got something to do to occupy my hands, right? I've got mm-hmm. these other ways of coping that have been built out. So BFRB loses some of its power, right? It's mm-hmm. not the thing I need to come back to. That's the biggest tool in the toolbox. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will say that this is sometimes when I will see someone fall back towards pre-contemplation. Okay. So like, hey, we talked about doing this thing because it's, mm. it's a homework heavy treatment and yeah. I didn't. Or mm. I ordered the product and it's sitting on my shelf. Like, cool, let's talk about why you didn't. Right. And no bite is actually a, a place that came up once with a client of it's gross. And if yeah. I do anything with my hands and then touch my mouth, it's mm. deeply aversive. And so okay, that isn't the fit then. Right. Right. Where they're like, you know what? I don't think this is taking up as much space. Mm-hmm. Doing this BFRB work it is not into my life the way that I wanted to. I kind of, I wanted the, the fix. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Yeah. You, let's come back to some conversation. I, I love that. Yeah. So they come in, they are, it's like they're prepared for the fix, right? They're willing to do the fix, mm-hmm. but now Renavigating towards oh realizing it's not a fix it's actually a acceptance or whatever you know yeah i don't know if i'm ready for that right like there's some pre-contemplation <laughs> towards yeah um, yeah 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 and so i guess i think something that i hear a lot is the the like despair right the yeah. i've tried everything nothing seems to work mm-hmm. what what's going to be different about this time you know i think people come in like skeptical about treatment um mm-hmm. i think yeah you know it's a mixture of hope hey new year's time i huh, get better yeah. at this and yet there's that little deep voice deep down of oh i've tried so many things for so many years what's going to be different about this time i don't know how would you respond to that it's i i think a beautiful conversation to be prepared for because if you think too about the way that others may have reacted to this behavior for the client just Mm. stop it right hey Mm. you're doing that thing again that's Mm. a bad habit that's a lot of psychoed that i do of like this isn't just a bad habit because like when Mm. i need to stop biting my nails this is what i did and then it worked like it's Mm. not a strength of will contest right this Mm. is different and so i think setting the stage of this is different doing that really deep functional analysis is really helpful to identify it's not just as easy as quitting or again i would be back at my doggy daycare with a bakery attached to it and (laughs) so i think helping move someone through the even if it is the back of the the mind thought that they hadn't articulated yeah. of, oh man, I thought this was going to fix it. Right. Or I've had someone once say, and I think it's a valuable conversation, but I thought maybe if, if enough other stuff wasn't working, you'd tell me the like magical thing mm. that would be the fix. Like, totally. that's what I need. It's like, yeah. man, it sucks that I don't have that. And it's yeah. not like me, like, but if you stay in treatment long enough, like, ooh, like I do this thing to you. It, it, it is, like you said, like the despair, like I'll talk about the word grief, mm-hmm. right? Like grieving either the presence of this in my life or also grieving, like, what if I give this up? Like, mm-hmm. these are hard things we're asking clients to do every day. Mm-hmm. 
And so giving space for that conversation too, and the emotions that go along with it, I think that is so important to you too, that it isn't just the very top level, uh, treat them and street them at a scorched earth level of let me give you skills and send you out the door. Like mm. we need to slow some of this down too, because what I'm asking you to do is it can be deeply emotional mm-hmm. and we can practice turning towards that experience as well. Right. Right. Yeah. In So this is something that I'm finding a lot of my clients sort of converging into this one point. And it's like, I think this is just my conceptualization of BFRBs. Um, but like, you know, we talk about the behavioral element of it, but I think the behavior, I don't, okay. Forgive me if this question doesn't make sense, but like the the behavior seems to sort of you know, it's it's to soothe and numb the, like, cognitive landscape a lot around, like, perfectionism, self-criticism, like, yeah. you know, how, how hard we are on ourselves about, like, performance expectations, beauty expectations, right? And so we can have behavioral strategies, but how does that, like you know, respond to this, I don't know, the, how, how, how intense we treat ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, come back to the idea of like, what are the functions? What are the processes? Mm-hmm. Perfectionism, black or white thinking, cognitive mm. rigidity. Mm. That is what underlies a lot of what I see across the board. Mm-hmm. And if you think about like a BFRB, I can fix it. I can mm. extrude this zit right i can get the hangnail off i can get rid of this hair that's not supposed to be there even Mm. if it is at great cost of like digging or excavating or or leading to bleeding right Mm -hmm. and so oftentimes some of the the whether it be the conversations i'm having or the strategies that are being introduced in them are similar across Mm. presenting issues so like can we allow for life to be the messy awkward uncomfortable experience that it is Mm. so that I'm not thinking it's supposed to be wonderful, perfect, amazing all the time, or it's terrible. Mm. We're finding like, where is that room in the middle Mm. that is less about quick fixes Mm -hmm. or something being gone forever. It's more about allowing the experience to be what it is. Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Yeah. And, we have a very natural human experience of either resisting what is there that we do not like of like, I don't want this. I want to go away. It hurts or, Mm. Oh my gosh, this finally feels good. And it's going to go away. Right. (laughs) Right. By nature, we can't be satisfied that way. And so, Oh shoot. Here's what's here, which could be the slip, which could be the great use of strategy, which could be, I'm feeling bored. Mm. How do we help you practice sitting in all of those types of experiences Mm. so that whether it be the blemish, or the, the coarse hair, the mm. unpleasant, unwanted, intrusive thought, the um, upset stomach. Like, okay, that's what's here right now. I can make mm. space for all of it. Mm. Mm. So mm. increasing that openness to the experience is really, really important, I think. Yeah. It, 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 and so circling back to the stages of change, 
right? Maybe I, I, I start chatting with someone who's in the preparation action stage for the behavioral quote unquote fix. But then <laughs> this is where I come in psycho ed piece. Hey, what's up? Maybe your behavior goes away. However, deep down you're a perfectionist. Right? Yep. And then that's when the pre-contemplation sets in. They're like, Oh dang. Like I was just here to stop biting my nails. I'm not here <laughs> to confront the fact that I'm a perfectionist. Pre-contemplation, I'm out. Could be. Yeah. Right? And so I, it is, a, I think, a beautiful point that oftentimes when I work with people from the SCAMP model, right, we start mm. with some of the quote-unquote easy behavioral stuff, right? Especially mm. everyone loves a new fidget. We mm. look at stuff together. They try it. It's kind of like mm. fun and different, right? And, and builds a little bit of like momentum and excitement. Mm. The cognitive changes, I think, are the most important. And yet they yes. tend to take the longest because they're old patterns, Right. It's ways that we have thought about either someone told us like um, how you present yourself to the world is first impressions are important. So you should always look put together. Okay, Mm. cool. So I should never have a blemish. My skin should always be smooth. Right. That is something I practice for a long time and it's not as easy as just buying a product. Yeah. I think also talking about perfectionism in and of itself is not bad. Right. It's, mm. a, it's a manner of degree. Like in what ways has that helped you? Cool. Right. It's made you really successful at work. Right. Totally. It really helps you. Um, your home is like beautifully appointed. It should be an architectural digest. Yes. In what ways is that costing you? Yeah. And like you said, if someone then is like, I'm not here to talk about that or I don't want to do that self-compassion stuff. Okay. Like right. that's fine. We can focus on something more mm. um, behaviorally oriented, right. Or kind of have yeah. some of those edges in place. And yet if you ever want to talk about it, that is something I do too. Well, yeah, it, I don't know. I, this is not me to like challenge you or anything, but I hearing that I think is like maybe how sometimes I like, I feel sad. I I think there's this like sadness. I feel, I I feel like sometimes maybe I'm not saying you, but like uh, how our culture we're doing them a disservice by like mm. i think there's this like capitalist illusion of oh treat the surface presentation yep and like you can suffer deep down below but we're not here to talk about that right yeah yeah well and i i appreciate that right because i think there can be this if you just um hate yourself quietly Mm. that makes it a lot easier for the rest of us, right? There right. there can be some of that or the sense of like, take the idea of like treat them, treat them to the extreme. Someone mm. who is like CBT doesn't work because you don't talk about all the other stuff. Mm. And anything delivered in that manner is going to mm-hmm. be necessarily problematic, but maybe not comprehensive. Mm. I see it as this is where MI comes in a different form mm. of let's have conversation around that. Mm. Like, this is what you're telling me is like, I, it's, costing you in some areas of your life or i know you had talked about like in this perfectionistic way that you handled this assignment or this conversation Mm. i'm wondering what life would look like differently if that wasn't Mm. so sharp right and so again if if someone's willing to have the conversation i'm not trying to get you to the place of let's practice openness to experience let's work on this perfectionism and yet to let you know there's a different way of doing this Mm. and we can do that and if it now's the right time, aces. 
This right. is a large part of the work that I do. And if it's not, I just want you to know that that's the thing that's there that might mm. be the seed that you think about later. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I guess, again, me just reflecting on this more, I feel like a lot of people, they come in being like, hey, help me hide this better, right? Yeah. You know, and it just breaks my heart to like, I think this is maybe this is my stance of I'm not going to do that for you. Like, that's not work <laughs> that I'm like. I'm willing to do if you want someone else to help you bury it, go there. That's not what I'm interested in. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think I've only come to that realization in talking to you is like, huh? Yeah. Like to me, that just feels, I don't know. Like, that's not why I'm, I'm here. You know, again, we've talked in the past about how like I quit engineering to, you know, work on my mental health. I didn't quit engineering so that I could, you know, develop a fidget catalog and help you hide and like find the best skincare <laughs> yeah. routine. Like I only came here to do the like the low fuel light deep work. Um, yeah. And so maybe if a client comes into me and that's what they're looking for, I, I this is what I'm learning. I'm learning how to like cushion that. I'm learning how to like bring them in. Hey, I totally understand why you are thinking that way. However, like I'm here to kind of like step in, step into the matrix, you know, show you the matrix a little. <laughs> and if that's not what you want, okay, maybe this is not a good fit for us right now. However, this is like what, you know, and this is again, my tension that I was feeling of like, I don't want to push my yeah. definition of success onto you. However, yeah you know, if we don't align, maybe this is not how I want to work. Yeah. What are your impressions hearing this? Jason, I love it. Like hearing the, like in real time working through and, and I think it will be ongoing process, right? As you kind of bump mm. up against a wall, whether it be in a conversation like this, whether it be in a clinical situation, you like mm. read about something mm. that I, I hear you saying like, I don't want to do something that feels disingenuous. Of, mm. Like you said, like, let me teach you to hide of like, shoot, that doesn't resonate. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to feel good signing off on that. I don't mm. want to further that perception, mm. right? And it, if that's not the fit for you, that's also okay. Yeah. Like I think one of the things of knowing, whether it be the presenting issues that you work with, the way in which you work, like mm. you know, the stuff is like, here's what I do. And I'm but one clinician. Mm. This is an option. And mm. if, you know, when people do like this therapy, speed dating or consults of kind of figuring out like what does fit best, cool. My role is just to help you find the, what fits best for you. My horse in this race is you getting what you need. And if that matches mm. with me, that's amazing. If it doesn't, I know people who do a lot of different stuff. Mm. And so if it is the offering of this perspective, which mm. I, I don't have data on this, but I imagine a lot of people haven't thought about of my relationship with my BFRB could look different. It yeah. isn't just about hiding the like, Oh shit. <laughs> like <laughs> that would be cool. Can you get me there? Even if it's a, like, I don't know if I can get there. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Maybe we can try this out and see how it feels. Mm -hmm. You know, it's I, not aiding and abetting emotional control. You know, um, I, um, 
I often, through my whole BFRB journey, I think I've been inspired a lot by like the queer community and sort of just watching how like, not just like queer, like not thinking about like queerness as like a medical treatment, but like as an exploration of identity, right? And I think, you know, years ago, hey, like I think I'm gay let's put you in conversion therapy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think there's sort of this, there was that model of thinking for a long time of mm-hmm. you're gay, conversion therapy. We have a camp for that. Um, now, I think there's an option of like, you know, the, the alternative perspective is you can be loud and proud. Like, that, and... I think the freedom that I found in being loud and proud about my BFRB is like part of the identity, you know, Um, and just like creating a BFRB community. Right. And we don't create community by like, Oh, we're all hiding (laughs) in our closets. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and this is to me the like ethical question that I'm like bumping up against is like, not everybody is like interested in my journey right or like yeah you know it feels unethical to necessarily say hey this is the right path but it also feels unethical to be like well i'm gonna help you hide yeah and and i love the thinking through in that way right this piece of identity of Mm. advocacy of allyship right of it's not even just having conversation it's coming out and saying Mm. I don't just work with BFRBs. I have a BFRB, mm. right? That I, I think through these more exploratory conversations, you get to find out how much someone identifies with that goal or that that drive to be more open and and engaged in advocacy, and that can change over time too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That I'm not to beat the same drum and yet i think mm. like am i can be a piece of that not in the service of like you said right. like you aren't saying everyone that i work with who has a bfrb has to join a group write a blog post be mm. engaged and mm. yet if you want to man please mm. come join this if it is also just knowing this is a community and you can lurk on a message board you right. can watch uh, uh youtube right you can share mm. fuel light with people mm. and maybe over time you do end up becoming a more outspoken or visible voice mm. If not, what I don't want to do is is foster a sense of wrongness, yes. of shame, right? I think yeah. you can do both because mm. I don't ever picture you for the beautiful light and spirit that you have being like, oh, you shouldn't tell people about that. That's a big, scary problem. Right. It's like, I'm glad you're talking to me about it. And if I'm yeah. the only one you talk to about it, okay. If you end mm-hmm. up wanting to talk to people later on in a bigger way, cool. Mm-hmm. And yet mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you this is the bad thing. Right. Which I think is part of that fix it agenda. Make this totally. stop because I don't like it mm. because I think it's bad. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I, I believe this is something that we chatted on early in our episode. You were talking about, like, yeah, like the chasing of the dragon. And, like, yeah. um, I'm not going to teach you how to run faster, right? I, I think uh, something that's been inspiring me a lot recently, and I've actually, like, used with a few clients, is kind of this, like, idea of... Um, uh, this framework of like time, money, and energy, 
right? So you're, I'm, I'm giving you these three things, time, or yeah, what do you think about these three like resources, time, money, and energy? And, uh, you know, I asked them like, what of these three, which one do you wish you had more? Um, mm. Or like by not having these, by not having one of these, how is your life impacted, right? And I think so, so much our knee-jerk reaction is, well, like, oh, I can teach you how to get more money, right? Like, uh-huh. if your problem is uh, money's really limiting my options, I think the default assumption is, well, you just need to work harder, make more money, and that's going to solve your problems. You know, and, and, like, how much do we, like, stop and sit of, like, wow, like, instead of changing the amount of energy you have, changing the amount of time you have, how are you reorienting your life so that like you prioritize it such that, you know, you can still live your life with what you're given. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I dig that. I remember you talk about that in group too, of like also how those change over the course of lifetime, right. Mm-hmm. And age. Mm-hmm. And so the sense of we aren't just here to keep running on the hedonic treadmill like you said like you could work harder do more budget better like take energy supplements like just do more of it of a like and 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 i think that's a piece of when i find myself in fix it mode and i'll acknowledge Mm. to clients like i realize i'm trying to fix this right now too Mm. and so there's a wonderful act therapist named robin walser and one of the things she said once just in a presentation very casually in a training I was at was I feel like I want to speed up. And so I'm going to slow down. Right. And so if I'm throwing out like, what about this fidget? Could you put on these finger cuts? Like, what about no. this plan? They're like, Whoa, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's step out of that really easy space that we slide into with regards totally. to societal norms around emotional control. Like mm. stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. Don't be scared of the ball. Like, Mm. don't panic like don't get anxious oh my mm. gosh all that is telling us don't do this thing that's very natural instead of like <gasps> this mm. is here and this hurts mm. this mm. hurts not to wallow and get stuck in it yet just to acknowledge and be present with it and if this hurts now in this way what do i need right <sighs> right it's not necessarily more money <laughs> yeah yeah wow okay okay lisa (laughs) there was a left-hand turn in there and yet it was very exciting right like i I appreciate the conversation and thinking through like how do i want to keep doing this right like Mm. how do i want to be in my life as a clinician as someone with a lived experience right and Mm -hmm. all of the different facets of you as a person like it's mm. cool like i imagine i am but one of many champions of you being at school for counseling and, and all that, that you do with clients now will be oh. able to do it's cool to be a piece okay okay um thank you so much um i'm embarrassed <laughs> um, so we can notice that that's here and make space for it yes yes um well, well, folks, there you have it. Um, we talked a little bit about CBT today. We talked a little bit about uh, stages of change and kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. And trying to wrap wrap this up, like, 
I, I guess my big takeaway from this conversation is how, again, I keep coming back to this, the exploration stage, the insight stage, the action mm-hmm. stage of therapy. People jump into action so quickly because that's what they want, right? The yeah. quick fix. And so, and I think I also hear those three stages. I, I feel like those three stages are just a simplified version of the the five anyway so like i think people are so quick to jump into action Mm -hmm. and recognizing that when you reorient people there's like they'll sort of reset a little bit of like oh i wanted to action on my quick fix but i didn't necessarily i'm now pre-contemplating like a you know this this new direction and just making space for that i think Exactly the phrase I was going to use, right? Of like, come as you are. Like, can this be the experience where you can show up with whatever is happening, mm. right? Because like therapy is this beautiful, like the the sacred pause of, man, I also wish I had the fix for you. Or like love mm. that you ordered a ton of fidgets, got excited about calm strips, whatever. And then mm. murk, murk, like it stopped right. working. Right. Right. Like, let's talk about where we are now and mm. not in a sense of this didn't work more of a like could something work differently can we try Mm. some other ways of being which feeds curiosity feeds creativity feeds Mm. collaboration which is the opposite of fear and running and fixing right right yeah yeah um Cool. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lisa. <laughs> I, I, I am left. I am left with like, I, I want to dive into that, but that would be another hour long conversation. So maybe we should wrap up here. Appreciate your time so much, Lisa. If uh, listeners out there are kind of, yeah, interested in what you have to say, interested in your approach and your, in your style and your energy, is there a place that they could like reach out to you? Um, any, anything you can direct them towards? Absolutely. So my website is exposuretherapychicago.com. Best place to reach me is email lisa at exposuretherapychicago.com. In addition to practicing in Illinois, I'm a part of SciPact, which is an interstate compact for psychologists. So I can work in like 37 different states. And if I work with adults, 18 and up. If you aren't in one of the states that I work in, if it's someone outside my age range, hit me up, let me know. I love to be part of the connection point of Mm. helping people move through the wild west of therapist directories Mm. to help them find what feels like the right fit. And so always happy to have a conversation and continue to spread the, the message around the community that we have that is so beautiful and yet still, as we talked about, not as well known. Mm. So... Okay, amazing. Well, thank you, Lisa. Um, Yeah, have a great day. Until next time. Thanks. You too, Jason. Bye.